Hi, and welcome to the Buck and Bernie Show. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's a bit cooler now. This is not San Diego, man. It's cold here. It is getting cold. We're in the winter season. Yep. Approaching. So we're going to talk about comfort food. Yeah, but before that, I wanted to tell you that I had a really great, comfortable drive from San Diego to to Moab. And what I love is the scenery and how beautiful those mountains with snow peak are. It's just like, it's so, uh, it's magical. It's really amazing. Yeah, well, we've already had snow up at my house. We've had a couple good uh, snowstorms, and so winter is here. Yeah, winter is here, and, and, and I would say as a Frenchman, fierce winter weather makes comfort food a necessity, and nobody does it better than home cooks. Not chefs, home cooks, because they cook from the heart. Comfort food is a food that provides nostalgic and sentimental values to someone, to everyone actually, and may be characterized as high calorie in nature, high carbohydrates, maybe, but simple preparation. So you want something who's going to take you back to the roots. And that's the way I feel when I cook and it's snow outside. Right. So comfort food not only comforts your stomach, but it comforts your heart. That's very true. But you know what? You just have to keep it simple, right? There is nothing so heartwarming than a one-pot meal. Why do you want to to dirty all the pots in the kitchen when you know that you can make it in one single pot? It's going to really make that house smell so good. It's going to be like aromatherapy for the soul. It is so good. It puts everybody in great mood. And, and, it, and it's simple. Keep it simple, you know, not too many ingredients. And uh, yeah, one pot, one pot, baby. Okay, so that's what we're going to discuss today is how to do one pot meals. And uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. So let's, let's get into that. Yeah, there is a crock pot. This is the old classic. Then the Instapot. This is kind of new. There is a pressure cooker that my grandmother used to call. There is a bomb in the kitchen. And there is a sheet pan cooking. And there is, you know, casserole and all that. So I think that the, the thing that I really like is Instant Pot. But I think we should go through what is an Instant Pot and uh, go through the other one. So pressure cooker. Take it over. Well, pressure cooker has been around for quite some time. Pressure cooker uh, is, you know, the cooking under pressure in a sealed uh, pot. And it's usually done with a, you know, you have the... The, the, the what, whistle, what, the little whistle on top. What is it yeah. called? The weighted. <laughs> yeah. It's a weight. Yeah, it's a weight, yeah. That, uh, and the steam eva- uh, you know, escaped the from there. Yeah. The pot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I know the old-fashioned ones, they had... Uh, so, the way they would do it was a different size weight yeah. on top would adjust the pressure inside the pot. Yeah. And that's the old-fashioned way. And and actually, the dangerous way. Yeah. 40, 50 years ago, I remember my grandmother would say, all right, this thing is whistling. The food is ready. Everybody out of the kitchen. And I was like, why? And it was like, yeah, because it's pressure cooker. And there was a, quite a few accidents, actually. And it's because people would not pay attention uh, by keeping their uh, pressure cooker in really good condition. And this is where you have accident. But now pressure cooker is very, very safe. I mean, I was in France and went and toured a couple of places where they build pressure cooker. And I can tell you, this is state of the art. But it's, it's, you know, it's still a pressure cooker. You cannot do everything a pressure cooker 
does, I would say, in other other pots. Right, but and the old pressure cookers are still around. I see. Them oh yeah! Them. Oh yeah! And it's been a while since I've used them because there's all you can u- also use them for canning. Yep. Which, which uh, is uh, essential if you're canning meats and proteins anyway. So let's let's talk about the more modern version and that would be the instapot yeah but before we go there i feel that we should talk about the crock pot because in france we don't have much crock pot but over here in america crock pot when i made when i came in the u.s i didn't even know what a crock pot was and it was like oh so it's really a very slow cooker things that you put i would say in the morning before you go to work and you come back and at four o'clock in the afternoon it's ready Right. It's magic, you know, it's like, a, but I, I never knew how to do it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's basically low temperature cooking, uh, determining, determined by what, what you're cooking and, uh, and how long you're cooking. So it's, when, when, I, when I came here, I had a girlfriend, she, she, she said, oh, yeah, we call it set it and forget it. And I'm going, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah, you set it, you go. Do your things, you forget about it, you come home, and the magic is there. And it's all cooked and ready to go. So, and so that, so the Instapot, I would say, was kind of a combination it does. of the pressure cooker yes. and the crock pot. And so you, you, get both. you can also do searing, you can also do yogurt. You can you can do frying. You can do so much in a, in a uh, instant pot. So the the thing for even instant pot is buy an instant pot who's going to be a high quality. There's a lot of cheap stuff on the market, but you know invest invest like you invest into your ingredients to get great dinners, great food, great uh, uh, recipes. It's the same thing with equipment. You always want to invest into a really good piece of equipment because that piece of equipment would be able to do a, a great job for you when, you when you're cooking with it. So yeah, it's a very approachable appliance because it's easy. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of uh, uh, already programmed. Already programmed. You just put in what you're cooking and do. Uh, so it's user-friendly. Yeah, it is. So you can do a lot of stews. You can do a lot of braising. You can do, I mean, you can do pretty much everything under the sun. Now we're going to talk about, you know, also cooking style when it comes to one pot. So you have the casseroles and what is, what is the one pot? What do you do as a one pot? One pot for me can be a lasagna. It can be a risotto. It can be a polenta. So it's one pot. It's everything that I will do in, the, in that single pot. For example, when I cook risotto, I love to cook risotto because it takes you about 20 minutes. And it's still you still need to know the technique because otherwise you just end up with undercook or mushy rice. So you, you follow the recipe, but as you are cooking, you can have a little glass of wine or a cup of tea and, and you can have the, the kids in the kitchen and, and, and teach them the progress of how to cook uh, a rice, a rice recipe from Italy instead of if you hear rice, usually you go, this is Asia, this is India. But no, it's like it's Italy and it's Spain. And it's like, oh, wow, you can, you can, do they have rice over there? So yeah, but it's, those are very different rice. Right. But risotto is not one of those dishes that you can just put on a leaf. 
Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's no, the one you no, have no. to pay attention to. It's the one part, but yes, right. it's it is one different. Part, but it's not. Uh, what are so. your favorite one pot dish? Oh, boy. That's, well, I would say, you know, a good lasagna is, is probably one of my favorite one pot dishes, you know. What's in the lasagna? Well, that's that's just it. It's there's multi ingredients that you can alter depending on what you have. You know, it comes down to the sauce, though. Yep. You know, you make a good tomato sauce. It could be a, a meatless tomato sauce, or it could be, you know, a, a bolognese or or whatever. So we're friends. We're friends. You and I who went hunting the other day. So they 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 got a uh, a deer. I want to get a deer there. I want to add an elk. So you can pretty much use that ground meat it, and put it into your lasagna, elk. isn't it? Ground elk makes great lasagna. I've made that's one of my favorites is elk lasagna. So yeah, and so lasagna, and I you got to make your own noodles for lasagna because it's so easy, you know. Because you don't have to cut them. You make the pasta, mm-hmm. uh, roll it out thin, and it cooks so quick, fresh pasta, as opposed to the dried. So it's it's actually a lot easier than messing with the dried pasta. Yeah. Where you have to cook it to the right temperature and that. Because you just like blanch, barely blanch your fresh pasta and then it's ready for the lasagna. You know what I like about, my, about lasagna is that it tastes better the day after. And right. this is what, oh, yeah. it's, it's what that's a, the magic about one pot cooking, is that usually everything that you will do and prepare will be better one day or two days after. Because all of those flavors really come together compared to when you just cooked it and then you will have dinner. It's just, you know, it just like it just explode overnight or those 24, 48 hours. It's really amazing. Well, and, and another of my favorite winter one pot dishes is beans. Uh, you know, the Dove Creek Pinto beans, I always have a bag of them on hand. So I just like, and I, I like to do them the old fashioned way, just put them on the stove and let them cook slow. And so I can like keep an eye on them they need water Mm -hmm. don't need water and but the thing about beans is once you i like to eat them you know just as they are after they're done and then you know and then you can always the leftovers you can always make into something else i i I like or salads even salad with with a with a light vinaigrette uh, dressing and maybe some I don't know some smoked tuna or even just a, a, a piece of roasted salmon it, was, it works so so well with it so that's what's really great about beans and beans is a legume and it's very 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 nutritious so it's right. really good for you and it's a good hearty winter dish when I was a kid so the family had farms and we would do shepherd pie. So mom and grandma, they would make the mashed potato, and then we would have all, my uncle was a butcher. So we had lamb, or we had beef, or we had uh, pork, and we would put, the, so we would stew the meat, and you, you put your mashed potato, cold, 
you just pat it into the into that casserole dish and then after that you put your uh your meat in the middle and then you put your mashed potato on top again and then it would be really funny because it would be like uh add the other uncle was a baker so we always have pastry bag at the house so we would put the mashed potato in the pastry bag and it would be the kids would make all the pre- all the uh, decorations on top you know so it would be it would be like a little competition but it is, but it was. It tastes so good, though. Then you bake it in the oven, of course. A little bit of butter on top of it, and and sometimes they will put a little bit of cheese as well. But it's it's really, really talking about. So, I mean, it's rich, it's healthy, but when it's really cold outside, man, it really feeds the soul. Right. I mean, it's so good. It's just like you, and we have a salad. You don't have to have ten courses. It was a salad and maybe a soup. And it will be your uh, your uh, shepherd pie, and then a very light dessert. Usually, in like in France and Britain, we will have like uh, fruits. Fruits will be. It would not be like uh, um, cakes or whatever. It would be like more like like a really nice fruit, like an apple or something like this. Something something really really healthy as well. So it was really good. So you kind of balance. You still have to balance everything. Casseroles. You make a lot of casseroles. All right. Before you get off the shepherd's pie. Yeah. I want to. Go to one of my is pot pies, the oh, like mm-hmm. chicken pot pie or mm-hmm. turkey pot pie. Oh yeah, I love those. And every, one of the one of the things I always do after Thanksgiving is take the leftover yep. turkey yep. and make turkey pot pie. And I I do it in one. I don't make individual ones. I just do a one a nice big one a one in a casserole mm-hmm. casserole dish. But I love the the traditional buttery pie crust on the top oh yeah i don't some people some people use the puff pastry i don't like that i like the good yeah old-fashioned pie crust yeah i agree i agree but that again that's the same thing so like shepherd's pie it's a one it's you can smell it cooking uh and it's so i had a friend of mine who told me to make a uh one of those pot pie when i was in washington dc so you know just off the boat and there's Thanksgiving. First of all, we don't have Thanksgiving in France. So it's like, what is Thanksgiving? So you learn about the traditions and everything. And that's the day after. So you have all those leftovers. And she makes a pot pie. And I go, I'm a chef, so I'm watching. She has one can of cream mushroom, one can of cream chicken, one, uh, one can of uh, cream celery. And I'm like, oh, this is cooking in America. Wow. And then... That, then all the, the, the vegetables, all the turkey, put it together. It was so good. It was so incredible. It was just the way that you put it together. So sometimes, as chef, we make it so difficult and non-approachable that suddenly you have a recipe. It was like 10 pages long. And this young lady just said, one, two, three, four. And I go, is that a recipe from the family? Is it? She said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah You're going to like is, it. And it was so good. That is the way they used to do it. Yeah, it was so it good. Is, it is good. So, yeah. You know, some recipes evolve over time, and, you know, they they can become overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, sometimes the old traditional method is the best way. Isn't it, though? Yeah. So, but it's whatever works with you, and, you know, the like we say, this time... This time of year, though, especially during the holidays, you want to make things easy, you know. Foolproof. Yeah. Foolproof. Because, uh, you know, it's a matter of, you know, being with the family during the holiday. So you don't want to spend all your time in the kitchen uh, doing too complicated 
uh, recipes that take too much time and that are easy to mess up. Keep it simple. What's up with your beans? You know, you can do a really nice right. crockpot chili. Right. You know, you 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 made a bunch of chilies with uh, elk and stuff that I tasted a while back, and it was it was so beautiful. Right. And you don't have to use dry beans either. No, you know, you can use, use canned beans. Yeah, exactly. And make it easier. But uh, like I say, I, you know, I have the pot of beans going, and I like to. One pot that I really like, who has rice and everything, and you all put together is actually two, is jambalaya. So this is from uh, from Louisiana. So same thing for those recipes, you guys. Just, just we all have the internet now. We all can look for recipes and search for recipes. Just look for recipes. Food Network has a lot of great recipes because all the chefs usually, this is their platform. So you can go there and, and just get a recipe. Look at the recipe and then make the recipe once. Print it, make it once. And then when you taste it, there may be things that you don't really care for. Then what you do is you can do your substitutions. So, so, so for example, you know, the jambalaya has andouille sausage. A lot of people don't like the andouille because it's too, it's too, it's too spicy. So somebody can say, oh, you know what? I'm going to do a, a pineapple chicken sausage instead. You buy it, it's already done, but it's a great substitution. So you can substitute and have fun with it. But it's something, it's one pot. You put everything in the pot, you arrange it, you cook it. 45 minutes later, boom, it's done. Well, another dish like that that's similar is uh, paella. Exactly, paella. You can alter, mm -hmm. alter it to your likings and what ingredients you have. Because mm -hmm. I've me made uh, meatless paella. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. And, uh, and you can do all kinds of things with that. And it's easy also. Even though it's a rice dish, it's, it's done mainly in the oven, mm -hmm. one pan. and uh, no, no stirring. It's just, boom, done. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, 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 so those are the recipes that I think that for the holidays, you really want to, and not only the holidays, the winter, because we have a long winter here. This is not like a, right. the December is December, January is even colder, February, oh my God. And March is like, oh, the sun is out. And it's like, you know, that's what I, that's what I was able to, to uh, experience last year. And I really like it. I like to be home. I like to cook at home, just simple stuff and have friends coming in, you know? Well, especially this time of year, because cooking helps warm the house, <laughs> you know, you have uh, your oven going, you have the, if you have a fireplace, you have your fire in your fireplace, and it just adds warmth to the home during this time. So talking about, about you know, uh, uh, cooking in the oven, I, I have to ask you, because I know that you love to do those lamb osobuco. So it can be done stovetop and it can be done in the oven. Can, can you tell us what's the secret? For, for lamb. Lamb osobuco. Osobuco. Slow cook. So tell us Slow about cook, it. Lower temperature. Okay, so the lamb, you, first of all, you want good quality lamb. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's a difference of lamb where you get it. You know, a lot of the lamb you get in the stores is from Australia. Yep. As you know. Yep. And uh, it's it's a lot different than like, it's much leaner. It's much leaner. Yeah. And more mild, I would say. Oh flavor. Flavor. Oh yeah. Than like Colorado lamb. Yeah, definitely. Which is which is what I I, I would prefer Colorado lamb. Because yeah, I'm me a too. lamb eater. I love lamb. I love lamb as well. And I love the flavor of lamb. And so I do prefer Colorado lamb, which is more fatty and more flavorful. Mm -hmm. 
but you don't want when you're cooking lamb, you don't want too excess of fat, you know. Mm -hmm. So you could, but you can trim it or have your butcher trim it to the way you want it, and then uh, on such as osobuco, you want to sear it first, sear your meat, season it, sear it, and then um, and then you slow cook it in stock. And wine. Usually and I take wine, a usually, usually yeah. I take a bottle of wine that I don't really care for. It's not the one I would run, I'm gonna have a glass, I'm like, nah, forget about it. Boom. Yeah. Well, yeah. It could be decent wine. Yeah, it could be decent <laughs> one as well. But but I mean drink it also. If you want a wine that was going to really work well with that, you want an AVO wine. So you want something like was going to be like maybe like a Zinfandel or something who has good alcohol and good fruit as a big fruit as well. Right. Yeah. So and the key is, like I say, cook it in the oven. I, I'd start with it covered. Yep. A low temperature. Give mm -hmm. it some time. And as with everything you cook, you have a thermometer. Use a thermometer and uh, just keep an eye on it. And as it cooks, and and with lamb or uh, or tougher cuts of meat like that, mm -hmm. you also want to go by feel. You know, you pull it out. Is it starting to pull away from the bone? That's it. And get tender. That's, That's it. That's the key. That's the key. Uh, cooking shanks or any other. So now we call that technique braising. So you braise your lamb. What else do you braised? Oh, you can braise, well, most. But endocuts. So, for example, if you braise uh, uh, pork, you're going to braise a shoulder, right? Right. Because the shoulder is going to be... Because you want fat. When you braise, you want fat into right. that protein. So, like this, when it cooks, it's going to be super moist and it's, it's, it's going to retain all that. It's going to be juicy and, and a lot of... It's going to be nice and tender. And the key is also, if you're doing a one-pot meal, which involves, say... The lamb shanks, like yep. the osobuco on that. You want to pretty much cook your meat thoroughly before you add any vegetables or anything. Because yep. it does take so long. Mm -hmm. And if you put your vegetables in at the same time, your vegetables are going to be way overcooked and tasteless by the time the meat is done. So let's talk about the, a couple of cuts. So beef, for example, you can do the shank and you can do oxtail. oxtail. Lamb, you will do the osobuco. Uh, then the pork, you will do the shoulder. You will do all the fatty part. Then the veal, you'll do your osobuco. The elk will be uh, will be an osobuco as well. I did that before. It was very good. Venison will be the same. But this guy, this guy, my dear friend here, he loves a four-legged one that we call rabbit. So tell us oh, about yes. your rabbit. Rabbit. I do like rabbit. And uh, I don't get it as often as I used to or, or that I like to. But uh, rabbit's the same way. Rabbit has to be done, braised. And slow cooked, because there's you can cook the you can braise the whole thing though. The, right, right. That's the difference. But the whole the rabbit. whole yeah the whole rabbit, mm -hmm. or if you're just doing the haunch or mm -hmm. whatever, um, because you know it depends on you know most rabbits you get now are farm raised, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, God, I, I bought a rabbit in Durango recently, uh, just recently, and I couldn't believe how expensive rabbit. Farm raised rabbit is. It's like crazy. I, I spent, I don't know how many pounds it was, but it was like 48 bucks for a rabbit. Wow. Yeah. Ladies but, and gentlemen, uh, it was a very, very special wild, rabbit. Wild rabbit is is good, but wild rabbit and as we farm raised rabbits are completely different in taste. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, and also, wild rabbit doesn't have near the amount of meat or anything on it as yeah. Uh, they're, 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 so they're much leaner. It's like wild turkey. Wild turkey is correct. much leaner than the yeah. than, so the, it, than your it farmer's is a turkey. Process of yeah. cooking, so you definitely have to slow cook it and uh, and keep an eye on it. So there's another another way that I really like to do a one pot at the house. I have a big cast iron. And I love to roast whole chicken, that those organic whole chicken. And then you have your thyme, your, your rosemary, you have your sage. I like to empty and uh, the cavity and wash it really good. And I put I put apple in there and 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 onions and. But what's great about roasting, especially if you roast at about 350 degrees, first of all, it's not going to burn, but it will really. Uh, give so much aroma to the whole entire home, especially when you have all those all those uh, uh, aromatics. And what I do is I put my potatoes around, and all my root vegetables, and of course I use quite a bit of butter. And like this, you know, you you're able to baste your chicken and the vegetable with butter, and it's it is so amazingly good. What else do you do at the house? So you know, you can also do prime rib. You and I talk about prime rib, and you see big pieces of meat in like in Europe, like a prime rib. We don't really do that much. We do bone-in ribeye chops. We do a lot of, but those big pieces. What do you need to really have the perfect prime rib for the holidays? Well, what do you want? Okay, so prime rib, which bringing up the holidays is, is a very traditional American dish, beef prime rib. And I would say the most important part is to, again, have a thermometer because uh, that's the essential and cooking prime rib is uh, the temperature. Don't overcook it. And so having a good thermometer. But to cook it, what I like to do is um, season it, salt it, and I do like to put a sear on it. Okay. You know, sear the outside. Put it in the oven again. But I will usually put a mirepoix with it. What is mirepoix? You know what mirepoix is, but let's explain. It, it's uh, your your uh, celery, onion, and carrots. And what that does is it flavors the juices as it cooks. That's true. And so then, why I like to do it with the prime rib is that after it's cooked and but, you have all those juices, you uh, you make your sauce. Okay. Your argue, so. But what? temperature do you roast okay. your prime rib and to up to what internal temperature will you cook your prime rib so like this i'm not going to overcook my prime rib. it's going to be about a good medium rare so temperature the oven is at uh generally for prime rib it's it depends on size and everything but uh, a nice big prime rib i like to cook it long and slow around 250 275 275 i like 275 now that's going to take you a, a while to really while. cook yeah but and you have to watch it you know you have to check it once in yeah. a while check the temperature internal temperature of 140 145 so let's say 140 and then you let it rest outside that's for essential for at least 30 minutes 30 minutes 
That's and it. I like to cover it when it rests. Uh, what? Explain what resting does to me. Well, the resting is you know you have a muscle was really really tight when you are when you are cooking it. So when you rest it, the muscle just relaxes. All the juice flow through the whole muscle. It means that you have a very very moist and juicy uh, prime rib. It's exactly the same way actually as I cook uh, a leg of lamb. Correct, yeah. Leg so of lamb, same thing. 140 is maximum. Usually it's like 138, 140. This is where I, I like to, to rest them. Yeah, if you took a prime rib out of the oven and cut it right out of the oven, you would have a big red spot in the middle surrounded by brown or gray, and it would be... It wouldn't be good. This is what I call, it's going to bleed. You're going to bleed right. the meat. And that's why you don't want to do that. You want to rest it. Yeah. That blood comes back out because as it cools, it, it, uh, it's not under pressure and the blood goes back out and is, and is evenly distributed and it becomes uh, more even and uh, juicy. I, I know that we're not going in order over here because it's it's a conversation, but um, it was pretty cold where I came from as well in, in in Brittany when I grew up, and we would have soup all the time every day. It's, you can't have get. I mean, as a kid, I was getting sick of soup because it's like no matter what, you have to eat your soup because mom and dad are watching. If you don't eat your soup, you have no dessert. So it's like okay, I'm gonna eat the soup. So, but soups and 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 chowders. In the wintertime are so important, I think. And you can make it in big batches and then you can you can freeze it. Right. You know the that's what freeze very they, well. They freeze but remember if you're making a soup who has cream in it, like you're gonna you let's say you're making a biscuit and you're gonna finish it with the cream, do not put the cream before you freeze just freeze the base and then when you reheat it this is where you want to add your cream so like this it won't it won't break if you have a problem with with a so let's say a soup was was starting to break breaking means that it's separating it's it's not it's not smooth you can put it into a, a vitamix and it will emulsify and come back as the perfect soup as well but what are your favorite soups uh in the winter or uh, potato. potato oh, soup. yeah. Potato leek. Potato leek. That's classic. Potato mushroom. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do with potato. Uh, yeah. And, and I like bean soups, you know, legumes. Uh, you know what I love? I, I love celery. Celery root. Celery root. Oh, it is so good. And, you know, you have your butternut squash. And with butternut squash, for example, you can jazz it up. You can have butternut squash and then you put some oranges in it and you go, oh, is it going to work? And you taste it and go, oh my God, this is so good. If you want to make, if let's say there is a, there is a soup with a cream base, you can remove the cream and use unsweetened coconut milk. And it will replace that cream like is no tomorrow. But it's going to be really like pure vegan. It's going to be so good. So you can, you can do it. I love mushroom soup as well. Right. Mushroom is so good. And it's nice and it's rich and it's, 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 and soups it's are winter. Unforgiving. I mean, they, you can, or forgiving, I should say. Um, you can, say you have leftover soup, uh, mushroom soup, you mm-hmm. have a little bit amount, amount uh, and you're, so you're making a new soup, you're making celery soup or whatever. You can take your old soup, 
and add it to the leftovers of another soup and have a completely different soup, mm-hmm. it is very good. Mm-hmm. Well, the other, the other day I was making a, a, a butternut squash soup. And uh, I didn't put too many cream, too much, uh, I would say, coconut uh, milk in it, because I love coconut milk. And then uh, it was kind of thick. And I went, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the appetizer with that. I had some crab meat. I had the crab meat in the middle. I had my my puree around, a little bit of olive oil. It was amazing. But this is what we do when we're in the kitchen. You can really take one thing and create something else. Yeah. And that's what that's what makes it really, really fun. Utilizing your leftovers. Yeah. That's what being a chef's all about. And you can do the same thing at home. So when I was in Brittany with my family, we would do a chestnut parsnip soup. So because there's a lot of chestnuts. So chestnut parsnip and we would we would garnish it with a little bit of bacon on top. And it was really, really good. So I mean, you can re- you can really play so much with that, and you know when you look at soups, uh, God, it's there's so much available. You can do so many things, but right. what else can you do so many things with? Dessert, winter dessert, cobblers, pies. I mean, what are your favorite? Well, I have to go with a good apple, <laughs> good apple cobbler. Well, apples can can they're very. They go with a lot of things. I love apples. You can put apples in soup, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have an apple Gucci soup. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as desserts, man, there's apple cobbler, apple crisp, apple pie. It it just goes on and on. You know, the the, the thing that I really loved, uh, you know, when I was was growing up, they had big fireplace and we we used real wood. It was oak, you know. And... uh, you will have the ashes, and you take the apple and put it right under the ashes. And what would happen is it would bake in the skin. So right under the skin, you will have all this pulp who would be just uh, 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 cooking. And then we will twist it a little bit, and then you take it out, and we will be grandma, and she will have some, uh, some vanilla ice cream, and then you peel it off, and then you eat the, the flesh. It was like, almost like a compote. With uh, with the ice cream, it so was really cool. Soft. Yeah, it was really yeah, cool. Yeah. It was so really cool. You eat it hot or cold? Hot, 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 hot. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are. This is why I say it's memories. This is what winter is. You know, you really create so many memories because you're together. You with your friends, with your family, and uh, and uh, and there's really not much to do outside. So it's it's always a gathering, and that's where you create the most beautiful and wonderful memories. Right, I think that you have memories of smells. At least I do, because I I remember uh, my grandmother and grandfather lived in Cody, Wyoming, and we'd go up there for Thanksgiving. I love Cody. You walk in the door and you mm-hmm. smell the smells of the cooking, and those are memory. Those are smell memories that are imprinted in my brain. I I associate different times with different smells and that. So, so you can do that. You know what we you know what we do as well uh, in in my part of the, of the world of the Brittany is we do a lot of uh, um, liquor, so we would do moonshine and it would be apple moonshine. So we have to talk about it because I know I know I, taste I, you, know, I you taste it yeah <laughs> oh man that was uh, it's unbelievable. unbelievable you taste it and go oh you smell it like oh apples oh my god apples then you have like a teaspoon and you go. Oh my God, what is that? I mean, it's they, it's so high in alcohol. But the reason why is because 
as, as at over here, it's really cold outside. So we would do toddies. And it would be simple. It would be hot water, honey, and a little bit of moonshine. And I mean, all the all the old people I remember, especially the old people, they, they love to do that. And it will, you will have one of those just before you go to bed. Right. So that brings us on the subject of winter drinks and cocktails, which uh, one of my favorite is uh, uh, I, uh, Irish coffee. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, it's just, it hugs you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you have that hot coffee and, and Irish whiskey, good Irish whiskey, and it's just... Wow, it's a, it's a good way. But also just, you know, a good brandy, you know, just sipping on a good brandy on a cold day. There was one thing that uh, we would do, and it was more for the ladies than the gentlemen, I would say, because it's way less alcohol. It would be like hot cider, because cider still have about, you know, 5 6% alcohol, but also we would do hot wine. So it'd be uh, mold wine, mold wine. Yeah, you call it right. mold wine here. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Mold wine is very that's good, and we put a bit of pomegranate juice with it. So you will have the wine, the pomegranate juice. You will have star anise. You will have uh, uh, cinnamon, and that's it. Yeah, that was it. And you don't need a, a high quality wine. No, you you want to use an inexpensive wine, and it's yeah, it's wonderful. And you know uh, the other cocktails for around the holidays and christmas i i remember we used to have the homemade eggnog egg, can you tell me how you guys make own made eggnog okay it's very easy um you use uh good quality eggs uh i prefer you know good organic eggs and that and uh separate your eggs you now i'm trying to remember f from memory it's been a while but uh so you whip your egg whites mm -hmm. then you whip your yolks mm -hmm. adding sugar mm -hmm. and then uh and then a good quality uh rich cream and you mix up to get you add and the, of course eggnog recipes vary from person to person yeah it yeah yeah, yeah. On what, yeah there's you can rum rum yeah and uh, some people will use brandy, or some mm -hmm. people will use a combination, and uh, so you just do it to taste, and uh, so you add your liquor to to that. Fold in your yeah. whipped cream and your egg whites, and uh, and you're done. That's, that's, that's it. Much it. Usually, you put some nutmeg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nutmeg is very good with it. Now, what what I did it with also is with bourbon. Uh -huh. And with bourbon, because bourbon is nice and rich, right. and and uh, I had a buddy of mine who did it with Drambuy, which is Drambuy. It's a it's a, a bourbon liqueur, and it's really come up really nice too. The only thing that I'm always cautious is to make sure that it's not too sweet, right? Not not too much sugar. You need to be able to taste pretty much every single ingredient, and it's it's not like sugary. And there's another variation. It's it's a warm variation. It's an old uh old-fashioned drink called tom and jerry's I, I don't know if you've heard of it no but but I, but, but basically but i, I watch a cartoon but it's not as rich as eggnog is because you use use why it's like it's like a uh, a toddy mm -hmm. but then you add the egg mixture you make a custard with your egg which is just you basically the same thing you 
you whip your yolks with sugar, you whip your whites, and then fold them together, and then you fold that into your hot toddy, and you have, uh, it's called Tom and Jerry. You can look it up. It's, it's an old classic drink, but that's a good winter holiday drink. Yeah, when I was in, a, when I was in India, uh, they do chai like crazy over there. And one day I tasted a drink. It was a chai drink, and it was rum in it as well. And I was like, what is that, a boozy chai something? And then I did it at the house, and I warmed up my chai to be really nice and hot. And I use again the little bit of the coconut milk and the and the rum, and it's really really good. But but chai is all about spices. It's all the different spice and aromatic that you put in it, so it, it makes it really uh really nice as well. You know, it's it's really different. Now, uh, jingle bell. Jingle bell. I know. Do you believe it's that? Coming. Do you? I mean, really, it's... Christmas is here. This is one of my favorite. Well time of the year everything we talked about in the show already pretty much pertain to christmas because you can do so many of those of those ideas and recipes on christmas but christmas is special man i love christmas and i do love christmas uh but you know they it can be too commercialized i must say they no too much earlier yeah 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 i already see you know it's not thanksgiving yet as we're recording this but all the Christmas stuff's out. I, I know I've seen trees up already. I've seen lights up already. Let's let's do Thanksgiving, then Christmas. Is Thanksgiving <laughs> is coming, but Christmas so, is going to be there. You know, I, you know what I love about Christmas? It's just like when I was driving in the mountain and the snow on those pine trees. For me, it's like, that's Christmas already. And remember, it's cold here. So, I mean, right. it's like, it feels like Christmas already. But one of the traditional things we do at Christmas, we, we go cut our own tree. Which, because we're right up there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we have uh, our house our, has real tall I know, ceilings. I know, yeah, beautiful. So room. we can go with a big tree if we want, which is. So you know the thing that I like for me. This what what Christmas is all about. It's the smell of the pine tree. You just wake up in the morning, uh, or you just go just before you go to bed. You have. They, they, yeah, you have the magic of the tree. I call it the magic of the tree. Between all everything, was the sparkles and and everything that you have gathered uh, along all the years that you've been alive, there's all this, that little ornament reminds you of your aunt or uncle who passed maybe 30 years ago, or your grandma, or or a special place that where you went. That's the beginning for me, and it's. But when it comes to Christmas dinner. I really wanted to touch that because uh, the show will be uh, early December and I wanted to tell everyone that if you really want to have a great Christmas dinner, start at the beginning of the month and make a list of everything that you would like to have for that Christmas dinner. So you wanted to stress to do this at the last minute. You can already have your list and you can gather things already and then keep it simple. Right. And do things you can do ahead ahead. Exactly. And have it ready. Exactly. And just and like you said, the best way is plan ahead, way ahead. You can't plan too far ahead. But uh plan ahead so you release the stress 
Because you don't want to stress out at Christmas over. <laughs> no, you get open the. You have opened the gift already. You never you know to, what's in that gift. You're stressing out already. You want to, especially if you're having family there. You want to uh, socialize. That's it. And and be with the family. Yeah. So, t- you were talking earlier about to me about the traditional way in France that you. Oh yeah. So dinners and, and so, so Christmas Eve is the big. Is the big day in France. Christmas Eve means that you have a light dinner. We call it le réveillon. So it's not really tons of food because you go to you go to mass at midnight. You go to midnight mass, and then you have dinner after that, usually for a couple of hours. So from let's say one to three o'clock, and everybody goes to bed, and then all the kids, everybody is up at I would say eight o'clock. And you can hear all the commotions and the noise okay. and the screaming and and you grab your cup of coffee and your cup of tea <laughs> right. and you go all right Santa came in last night depending on how much tri- cheer you uh, have I know yeah. but it's a uh, it's uh, so we do that and then the Christmas day is a Christmas brunch but there's one thing that I'd, I'm not sure is really well known here is that turkey is the main ingredient. On Christmas, on the Christmas tables in France, so we don't have we don't have Thanksgiving, but we have Christmas. Not so much here, you know, because we usually make turkey our Thanksgiving. Uh, exactly. Day. Here it's more so a lot of like like we mentioned earlier, prime rib is, mm-hmm. is the big your prime rib, fish your here, you your lamb, lamb, yeah, lamb or whatever. But fish, salmon, salmon for fish. Usually, it's it's easy, right? Yeah. And it and it depends on where you know regions of the country you know they they have their more traditional uh, Christmas dinners you know depending on where you're at. But Christmas dinner is usually always a um, I would say a, uh, a like a little buffet. It's like you know uh, it's family style. No no point. It's family anyway, but it's family style. So what I I like to do is, for example, if you have a, if you have a roast. The rose goes on the table, whatever rose it is, and then you have all your sides. What are your favorite sides for, for Christmas? Oh, man. So one of my always favorite sides I go to is mashed potatoes. I mean, I love mashed I potatoes. I knew you were going to do that. And, and it depends on... I'm the same. Especially with gravy, you know. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So if you're, doing, if you're doing the prime rib, like mm-hmm. I said, you know, you with the maripois on that, that's for the, the gravy. Or, nice nice jus, gravy. nice gravy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I like I like I like, I love the mashed potato. I love the green beans, almondine like green beans are are very much in season as well. Some uh, maybe some roasted root vegetables. Um I like succotash. A succotash yeah. is really because you have your beans and you have your vegetables and uh, sometimes you can you still can get some really nice uh, uh especially if you were smart like some of us were. Olaf, corn, shaved, frozen, kept for those special moments. That's what I did. And then you can do a little succotash as well. Right. And you have really great and corn. you can use frozen or canned. Oh, you yeah. Can you can do quality. that as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you don't do it yourself, you can buy a good quality store-bought corn. And you need to do a mac and cheese because the kids will need the mac and cheese. Oh, 
Yeah, and I will eat the mac and cheese as well, by the way. <laughs> it's a hearty. It's oh, a hearty. Oh, man. But now, it's winter. That's when we need our hearty but the, the, the thing was important, though, is like when everybody gather, especially when somebody's traveling from, from different places, it's nice to have appetizers also who have been, who will hold well. So, you know, maybe like a, like a cheese and charcuterie platter with some uh, preserved fruit and you know, mustards and uh, some special breads. Um, I like to do some different salads, like, like maybe like a quinoa salad, for example. Mm -hmm. Let's think about also to keep everything in balance when it comes to uh, not being too heavy, even that we're going to eat for a long amount of time. It's good to have things that are going to really be well balanced. I mean, the, the word balance, I think, is important for, for those big gathering. Well... I want to mention that, you know, you mentioned how your traditional thing was was the late night uh, Christmas Eve dinner. Ours, ours was pretty much the same, but we would do it earlier in the day. We wouldn't wait till later, and but that would be our big meal, Christmas Eve. And the next day, usually in the morning, we'd do like a simple uh, breakfast casserole or something, a one pot, a one pan oh. meal, uh, a breakfast casserole. You can just throw in the oven and then or a frittata and then you start the day with that and then uh utilize your leftovers from the day before you know take that if it's if you did turkey or roast beef slice it up put it out or you can do an ash sandwiches what about if you do an ash do hash so poached eggs and ash i mean this is really classic and i really like it mm -hmm. the thing that i like to do is because you, you know that you don't want to be in the kitchen at all time because it's not fun anymore. It become a chore. You have all your friends there, all the families there, and then you're the only one cooking. So plan ahead. You can do poached eggs. You can poach your eggs, and then you can uh, shuck them with uh, cold water after that. And then you put it on a paper towel and put it in the fridge. So you're going to say, well, those eggs are cold. And I agree. But what you do is you take your ash, and you put it at 350 in the oven for about... 15, 20 minutes until it's almost hot. Then if you put your eggs on top and you make sure that there is about one inch in between each egg. So like this, the heat really is distributed really well. Remember, your ash is already hot. So your, your egg is cold, but now you put the egg and the ash in the oven for about 15 minutes. It's magic. The egg will still be slightly undercook and runny and it will be warm and everything be ready to go. You can put a bit of a hollandaise sauce, or you can do whatever you want as a sauce or no sauce, but it really is delicious. This is a really good trick that we wanted to share with you guys as well. Right, and so, so how far ahead can you put your eggs and keep them home? You can do it like three, four hours in advance mm -hmm. because you put them in the refrigerator at 30 degrees. I mean, I have done it, listen to this, I have done it at the restaurant where we poach it the day before. Right. And so the day, the uh, day oh yeah, before. but we had we had six hundred and fifty people coming for brunch, so we had to be ready to go, and it works really perfectly. So, what's the best way to keep them? Do you keep them in water? No, in the, no, just 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 wet, uh, paper wet towel? paper towels. Yeah, damp paper towel, and then you will have no problem. It really works perfectly. We did it so many times. Yeah, it's really good. We would actually do almost like a. Uh, a uh, Benedict, the only thing is instead of bread, we will use potatoes as the base. Uh, 
and we, so it will be potatoes, it will be some uh, um, spinach, then you will have your egg, and then we keep like this in the refrigerator, and then we put them in the oven the day after. And we will be putting them for maybe like 20 minutes in the oven, and bingo, they will be ready to go. Bear and eggs on top, oil and eggs on top. It's like, but those are techniques. Those are techniques right. that you learn. So there is one thing that I want to share with everybody that, that, that I really, really love on Christmas. La bûche de Noël. Yule log. Oh, have you made a Yule log before? It's been many years, but yeah, it's been a while. But oh. I know coming from France, you must have the technique. So now. it's really simple. You make a little genoise. Uh, and usually we put a little bit of almond meal with it. So it's a very thin cake. So it's about one inch thick, ah, half an inch thick. And then you put your buttercream and then you roll it. And as it's as the, the log, the roll is done, when you cut the two hands, it becomes stumps that you can put on the sides. And then you make some little mushrooms in, um, you can make it in a... a a meringue for meringue or marzipan, for example, and you can decorate it the way you want. But same thing. This is the such a great time to bring the kids in the kitchen. And and besides that, you have also the Christmas cookies. Get the kids to do the Christmas cookies. You have the perfect platform to teach a child what it takes to make the cookie, bake the cookie, and then taste it. And that platform carries on years after years uh, and then uh, they, they, they want they want to experiment they want to do something different and they look forward to do all those holidays and it's not only the baking um, of i would say desserts but other things that they can do in the kitchen mashed potato when they put the butter in it or the cream in it and they mix it up you know it's like it's so cool and that's that's what we need to continue to do in this country is to continue to educate the kids that the kitchen is a very safe place when you have great parents who are great teachers who teach you not only about the cooking but also the safety part of what it takes to have a great meal and a great time for the holidays okay so I want to talk about a touchy subject oui. for Christmas, mm-hmm. fruitcake. Oh, I love fruitcake. Because oh. so many people, they just buy the store-bought fruitcakes, give them as gifts, and they're horrible. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, but, it's, but you know what the reason? It's simple, but, right? But, but there are, you know, make your own fruitcake and make it ahead. Use good quality ingredients. And like I said, it can be made ahead. In fact, it can be made a month ahead. And the, the secret is you can uh, macerate it with your favorite alcohol, like, mm-hmm. well, rum, mm-hmm. brandy. Yep. You soak it in that. And then you just pull it out at Christmas and you actually have a, a fruit cake that you can enjoy and that tastes delicious. Yeah. The, 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 the reason I was like, pop, 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 is because. When you buy that fruit cake at the store and you look at the ingredients, right. most likely you know 20% of the ingredients. And the other stuff is like, oh boy, colorant of this, preservative of this. You don't need that. You Correct. really don't need that. You yeah. are right. And that's what really makes Christmas special. Right. And so search, search out for a good quality recipe. They're mm-hmm. out there. Yep. And then, like I say, that can be made ahead. 
and uh, it, it would actually be a, a fruitcake gift that people will actually appreciate. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, those, and, and those are memories. Same thing. Yeah. When you eat that fruitcake with your friends, you and family, you talk about it. And you talk about the one you did last year and the year before because they're all different. So this is part of the, um, part of the memories, a part of the culture, part of, of what uh, we're made of. It's just, you know, all those conversations are very special. Okay, thanks again for joining us at the Buck and Bernie Show. And we'll, uh, we'll see you in January. That was a lot of fun. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Chef's Adventures with Buck and Bernie airs on the first Monday of every month at 4 p.m. Head to kzme.org for archives and recipes.